Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. You're stubborn, woman. Exactly. <laughs> okay. You could, you could do it for your life, wouldn't it? Just yeah, yeah it might be nice, wouldn't it? should just listen to you, shouldn't I? It's on. It's on. It's just men fixing problems. To the now. sweet sounds <laughs> of Kevin Bloody Wilson. Ten minutes late because Samantha Richards didn't listen to our guest. Yeah. Dane Swan and Swanee. This is big because I know you, you carry Samantha and I. Oh, yeah. But now we've doubled the amount of best-selling authors on the podcast. Mm. Gideon, hey, thank you very much for coming in. Best-selling. Well, that's your first misnomer. (laughs) Uh, Look, uh, I sell enough to keep going to need to write another one. (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) And and slightly different to Dane's book, uh, you you tend to write your own? Didn't you write your own, Dane? Well, it depends what you mean by write. I didn't didn't type it out, no. No, I didn't. I... I spoke the words, but yeah, s- yeah. someone else actually okay. did. A f- someone actually put those words into a book for me. Well, I've done that myself, um, yeah. and uh, you know, as Neville Cardis used to say of all those Lancashire cricketers who he quoted in his pieces, I put into their mouths the words that God intended them to say. <laughs> yeah, that so no, mine's my words. I think I'll, I'll get around to reading it at some stage. Have <laughs> you not read it? Well, it's me. Why the fuck would I read it? Case like, it's not you. That's like, true, actually. Like I've. Like I know every story in it because it all happened to me. So yeah. I don't. I don't what watch. If the, what if they put a little spin on it? I, I don't. I trust Martin with with my life. I yeah. don't, uh, well, probably. I'm sure he wouldn't have done that. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe not. I don't think so. I'm not you sure you probably would. Probably would have heard of it. This is not Seinfeld where Kramer takes. You know, he, um, Elaine's boss takes Maybe Kramer's if stories. If you're well behaved, I might get you one for Christmas. What a book of mine! Yeah. Oh, they're fucking hard. They're rare find now. They're all sold. <laughs> they're, they're, it's a rare, rare find. Go to the op shop or something like that. You might yeah. have the bargain bin. You might get one for two bucks. <laughs> so I, I punched the air when I found one of Gideon's that was ten years old when I found your old yeah. World Series cricket book. Really? Yeah, it's hard to get. Well, that I is hard know, to get. I didn't know it was <laughs> yeah. early nineties because I remember yeah. reading it early noughties. Yeah, right. Yeah, and, and I paid I think twice as much as what you. Sold it for at a bookshop. It came out in '93, yep. and it be- they only did one print run, right? And it was became so rare that it was changing hands for thousands of dollars on secondhand book sites. Well, I of course had no copies <laughs> at all. I've given them all away. <laughs> that's good, but yeah. it's not good because no, you're not, not you're not Again, taking the profits yeah. of those uh, thousands of dollars. Well, they similar to some of the photos we've been seeing of Dates What My Story. Yeah, no, from, it's from bargain places. <laughs> It's a clever title, that one. <laughs> yeah, it took us a while to think of it. The one I like is my autobiography. Yeah. Like, as though it could be anyone else's, like his or hers or 
Yeah, I, I didn't go with that big word. I just went with story. My yeah, story, yeah, yeah. 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 I'm but, common man. Yeah, you are. You are. Yeah. Um, and, and the things you've got in common, I just wanted to kick this off. Go on, I'm always. No, <laughs> you two both uh, immerse yourself in local sport. Yeah, yeah, yep. yep. So, so for people who don't know, you, you still do you still? Play I do, I do. In fact, I came this way on the weekend. Played a game at um, at uh, against Burnley just down here. My my thirtieth year at my cricket club. Yeah. Not getting any better, but not what, getting Yarra? South Yarra. Yeah, South yeah, Yarra. yeah. What yeah, do you do? Bat, bowl, bit of both. Keep <sighs> organizer. Anyone can play. It takes a very special person to organise. <laughs> so you don't. I don't know if you know, but Dane's been immersing himself in local footy over the yeah, last right. couple of years. Yeah. For who? How, how I many, don't organise. How, how many clubs have you played for? A few. No, I played for a few. Um, I couldn't count them all. I've forgotten yeah. half of them. But I just give back to local communities that are in need yeah. of trying to raise some money. Yeah, that's, well, that's, yeah. that's what I do. Yep. Um, Yep. So <laughs> you you organise this the party pies and sausage rolls at the tea break yeah, and yeah. Organise thousands of people to go to local footy. <laughs> and not when he says sometimes it's hundreds, sometimes it's n- not many at all. No, and when you say organise those people, you don't really have. An, you just turn up and hope yeah. that they do. Yeah, assume yeah. that they will. Well, you know, I'm out there trying to help struggling communities. You know, COVID fucked a lot of things, mm. and regional towns Ooh. was one of them. Yep. I'll, I'll get to that because you got something else in common with you, Dan. I'll okay. get to that. Yeah, but firstly, nothing. Worse. Good looks. Nothing worse than when a very, very good guest comes in and lowers their standards to join us. Oh, that's most guests. That's most guests. Every guest, yes. And, and then you do the little tag at the end. So we'll do this right at the start. The reason Gideon's in. Gideon, hey, is it .com.au or dot, just .com? I think I'm just .com, yeah. You're just .com. Yeah. You're just a .com guy. Gideon, hey, .com. It is Christmas time. And honestly, what better thing you could do than get a Gideon, hey, book for a friend. Ashes 2023 and the girl in the cabin 350. Are your two books? Yeah, yeah. At oh, the no. moment, but yep, you've got that's true. Yep. You got a, yep. most of them except for the World Series cricket book, boss. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Actually, I've given away. It's surprised the number of books of mine that I don't have. Yeah, right. But like the like Dane, you know, I know what's in them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. You so, were. firstly, Ashes twenty twenty three. You were over there. I was. Yeah. Um, yep. I, I actually had a group of mates who <laughs> went over there, and they said time of their life. Uh, yeah, and yeah. Now, now, what's what's it like for an Aussie? In, Experiencing an Ashes campaign. Well, it was my seventh Ashes tour, and uh, you know, I've over the over the journey, I've seen some really good Ashes cricket and some really bad Ashes cricket. Mm-hmm. Particularly the stuff here, like 2021-22 is probably a bit of a benchmark for poor series. Yep. Uh, when Ashes cricket's one sided, it's um, it's so disappointing. Mm. But we knew this was going to be a better series because England were playing fantastic cricket coming into it. Australia were coming off the the World Test Championship. Uh, so they were in prime form. It was a tough tour, you know. So Pat Cummins has ended up playing six test matches in 54 days. That's bloody hard work as a captain and, and key fast bowler. So it was going to be an ordeal as well. Um, it was going to be a real test of Australia's metal. And it ended up being a fantastically even series. Uh, cricket these days is, a lot of it is about momentum. And, you know, one team can completely street another team before you've had a chance to, to look around. But this, this series just kept fluctuating. The four test matches that ended up in results, all very close. Funnily enough, the one test match that was one-sided was the one that was drawn, the game at Manchester, because yep. it was the um, rain on the last couple of days. And it was intense. You know, it was intense. It was... I think... <sighs> Politeness restrains a lot of international cricket now. The sort of the bilateral relationships between countries are a little bit sensitive. But Australia and England, 
can go very hard against each other and actually push things. They push things probably as hard as they've ever pushed them in my, uh, in my memory uh, and, you know, had recourse to the usual stereotypes. You know, Australia too aggressive, England too precious. Whinging. And, yep, uh, and for the week after Lords, I can't remember a week like it in sort of public debate around cricket. It was it was fierce. So, over there. so did just a quick memory recall. It was obviously the the uh, dismissal was yes, a dismissal, yes, yeah. and yeah. and the the Lords members giving the gob. Yeah. So so <laughs> being over there, what was that experience like? I mean, it was hilarious because yeah. you knew that it didn't really matter, but it was also <laughs> but kind it did of to them. It went. Yeah, well, because they're on the wrong side of it. Yeah, yeah well, it, it's right. The spirit of cricket's something you invoke when a decision <laughs> exactly. goes against you. Uh, it was, it was fascinating. Yeah, you live for those moments where kind of sport goes to that extra level when all of a sudden you feel all the kind of the emotional and historic and cultural resonances of it, and everyone, uh, everyone got involved. Everyone had a very very strong opinion. It was interesting that it did kind of divide between those with a regular exposure to professional sport and those with maybe a sort of a more woundedly sentimental attachment to cricket. Like I can remember five minutes after the Bearstow decision, Mike Atherton comes over to me in the press box and he says, what do you think? I said, it's out. He said, absolutely, 100%. Be out in club cricket in Manchester uh, so there was a sort of a consensus in the in the press box that uh, Kerry had done nothing wrong, and in fact had actually been pretty clever, pretty yep. opportunistic. You know, it's an, taking advantage of a, uh, of a of an opponent's inattention is something that's de rigueur in in, in sport. Uh, but it just sort of I don't know, precise, because it was at Lords. Yep. Which of course is the you know the the, the lawgiver of the uh, of, of the game, because it was Australia versus England, it kind of just attached itself to every other assumption that that the nations have about each other, and of course you know when prime ministers get involved, you know that things have completely lost touch with reality. <laughs> Would you're a cricketer. Would you have done it if you were keeping? Absolutely. Done, yeah. Oh, yeah. In a second. Yeah. I wish I'd been good enough to yeah. do it because it's actually a pretty good piece of cricket. You've actually it requires skill reproduction under pressure, it requires observation and preparation, it requires game awareness. Uh, the number of times that you have to hit the stumps and you don't hit the stumps yeah. uh, are uncountable. But he managed to do it, and it involved chance as well because when Carey let go of that ball, Bairstow was standing in his crease. Yeah. It was Bairstow walking out of his crease that got himself out. And frankly, there was no reason for that to go to the third umpire. It yeah. was obviously out. I think they made they made an unfortunate hullabaloo about it on the field uh, when I think anyone who had anything to do with cricket knew instinctively that uh, that Bearstow had made a mistake and, and deserved to be punished for it. And I did a thing with Dave Byrne last Friday and he said he carried, warned him twice. Yeah. Is that right? So having, yeah. I don't know if that was an issue. He said he'd warned him twice said, mate, Start walking out of your crease for the third time. Yep. Fuck off, you're out. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. 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 Just while you've opened the door, what was your experience with David Byrne like? He certainly didn't drink as many cans as we did, he did on the <laughs> plane to um, the UK, wherever it was. But no, listen. Is he in the Hobart? Uh, Launceston. Me, yeah. him and Archie Thompson. No, it was good. Like, we didn't have – he was on a different table to me. But he, he's got up told – he's obviously been around a couple of times, told a very 
Uh, you told a couple of good stories up there. Cricketers have got the best ones. They travel around the world and they can yeah. hear. They've got so many different stories from different countries around the world. But um, no, Bernie was good. He was flying. He's in his heartland there. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It'd yeah. be like you were. Lexington oh, I had, to, I had to come on last with all the. <laughs> I had to come on last when they'd been drinking piss for four hours. So <laughs> I got the worst of them. But um, no, it was, no he was he was going to Bangladesh the next day. So he told me it was a lovely place. So he's looking forward to getting <laughs> out. He's looking forward to getting over there. But um, no, he was good. I've never met Bernie before. He's um, you know, we all grew up watching him, and we've obviously all heard the stories of of Bernie and the legend um, on and off the field that he was. So it was, it was nice to to finally um, to meet the man. Uh, we'll get back to the Ashes. So well, well, we've opened the door here. Yeah, who's the best three off the top of your head cricket speakers you've seen? Oh, that's a good. So question. you would have seen heaps of them. I have seen quite a few. Do you want thinking time? I'll yeah. give mine. I've written down mine. I just happened to. Yeah. Okay. Um, right. These are these. Uh, number one, Bill Laurie. He's very good. I'm talking about yes. where the room can just smash yeah. the table in yeah. laughter. Yeah. Uh, two, this one surprised me because I, I was expecting the old stereotype, Greg Ritchie. Actually, I was going to say him. Yeah, right. Okay. Uh, and I, I was because in the guise of Mahatma Gandhi. <laughs> well, here's the thing. I thought that's what he was doing, right. but obviously it's. Yeah. But now he actually he's turned the whole stick around to say yeah. how bad that was. Yeah, right. And, right. and he's very self depreciating. <laughs> yeah, right. And it's hilarious yeah. about. That side of things, and he was the unexpected one. And I'd, I'd put three David Bumble Lloyd. Oh, he's hilarious. He yeah. is so he's funny. He's great company too. Fantastic is that right? company, yeah. And he's a massive fan of The Fall, who are my favourite band. Right. Yeah. So we have endless discussions about how great Mark E. Smith and The Fall were. And he's serious. You know, he's really serious. In fact, we is had that a early eighties. We band? had yeah. We we had a poll. During the Old Trafford Test, best bands from Manchester. <laughs> right. It actually went around the entire press box, and the fall finished second to Oasis. So I was pretty impressed yeah, with that. That's good, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, actually, and just on that, on your writing, yeah. we're going everywhere here. But but you actually remind me a bit of Bill Simmons from the states, oh, yeah. who's yeah. been a pioneer in the podcasting world. Yeah. For those who don't know, but um, but his his general knowledge of of, ma- of mainstream. Uh, uh, what do you call it? pop culture? Yeah, yeah. He's been immersed in his work, and he was yeah. probably a pioneer in the states in, yeah, in that area. Yeah. And and you've done that from, since day one, haven't you? And y- it helps your writing. Well, I don't really think of myself as a sports writer. I think of myself as you know a journalist who writes about cricket. Right. Um, I've written a lot of books about in a lot of different veins. I like getting away from cricket as much as I enjoy writing about it. I think you always return refreshed from uh, fr- from taking a break. And I think it always benefits when you see cricket as part of the wider culture. I think there's a, you know, there's a emotional resonance that cricket has in this country, that um, that that goes to the very heart of what it is to be Australian. A community sport, yeah. um, Dane. You know how people will do things for community sport that they will not do in any other context. Yeah, it's crazy. They, they put themselves yeah. out of the way. They they. Help one another. Um, and they hours they put second. in the work, and it's yeah. all for free. Yeah. <laughs> like when they yep. could be home with their families, yeah, yeah it's incredible. Yep. And we don't come together in many other guises these days. It's very easy for us to think that um, we we can't change things. You know, political institutions, cultural institutions, religious institutions, financial institutions. It's very easy to think, what power do I have to change this? But sporting institutions, you can genuinely. You know, put your shoulder to the wheel and feel it move. Yep. Um, you know, that's that's intrinsic to my 30-year involvement with um, with my cricket club, uh, creating a great place for people to be. 
And, and and back to how you put pop culture in mm, into, yeah. the, into the ashes and so forth. Is that probably one of the reasons a thing like a Bearstow or the uh, English uh, uh, the members that Lords going off actually why it resonated to the wider uh, public because they, they oh, can yeah. relate to that a lot more than a great piece yeah. of bowling or cricket yeah. or batting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And of course, it you know it it you know, as far as they're concerned, that's exactly what Australians do. Right. Um, so, <laughs> and you know, you, you can have fun at Australians' expense. Funny enough, the day after that, uh, I was playing a game for a club called the Authors Eleven. Right. At uh, at Burghley Park, the prerequisite is you have to have written one book. So, Dane, you could play. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, a little left arm tweakers <laughs> in there. Yeah. So I'm the one Australian in the side, and uh, late in the day, we get a wicket. We're in our huddle, and uh, the the next batsman takes some time coming into the middle. And someone in the huddle says, oh, we should appeal for timed out. <laughs> Every eye looks at me. Get the Australians to do it because that's what they expect. <laughs> so, so the difference between uh, the, the, the cliché of the uh, upper-class twat mm. in, the, in, the, yeah. in the Lord's members and reality and what we saw back here were upper-class twats yelling yeah, at yeah, the Australians yeah, as they walked yeah. in. What's the reality of, of the culture there at, at Lord's and so forth? Oh, look, it's, you know... It's, it was a mob mentality. Yep. It was like, you know, people egging one another on. And that, that can happen in any scenario. Uh, I, I tend to think that... Uh, I, I, had, I had lunch a couple of days after it with, um, with a former editor of the Sunday Telegraph who's also a Marleybone member. And, uh, <laughs> and he's it, it a really good guy. Yeah. And, and he was embarrassed. He was mortified yep. by, by what had happened. He did say, oh, Gideon, you must understand that <laughs> many of the current Marleybone members are, are in trade... <laughs> in trade, you know, not really our sort of people. Right. They weren't yeah. born into no, We would never behave that way. <laughs> uh, now, but the, so as I said, you got two books out: the, the Girl in Cabin Three Fifty. So, yeah, yeah. I heard you speak yeah. about this on Jared Whateley, and you did a true, yeah, yeah. true crime pod where it yep. was a little tester. Yep. Um, she played cricket. Whoa. No, well, the, no, no cricket exactly. quotient no. at all. No, okay. So okay. yeah, I yeah. can do that. Oh. Yeah. But I can walk and chew gum. Something else you got to come with, yeah. with the true crime genre. You, you're across that? I was on Crime Stoppers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't write a book about me, do you? <laughs> yeah. But why, why does that... We're actually, season one, you, you actually said to us to, to get the podcast going. You're prepared to commit a yeah, crime. Yeah, well, exactly, if I had to. Why, why is for true ratings? crime so huge in the in podcast so community? And I don't so know. Forth. Look, yeah. it offers self-contained stories. Right. It offers um, uh, a beginning, middle and an end. Lots of stories of are open ended. Mm. Um, actually, in this case, the, you know, this this crime was um, was it was a sort of a mystery for, for seventy years. Did you solve it? I think I've I've come up with a very plausible explanation. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but it only came through you know doing the hard work to get in touch with anyone who knew a little tiny bit about. Can you give us a background of the story, or do we want to? Okay, the um, in November nineteen forty nine. A steward on uh, an ocean liner called the Orchides off the coast of um, Victoria, coming from, from Sydney to Melbourne, opened a cabin occupied by a young woman called Gwenda McCallum, and she wasn't there. And no one has ever been able to solve the mystery of her disappearance. Uh, and it destroyed her family, as you can imagine. Yeah, a disappearance leaves a huge gap in, in any family, and, and actually had sort of intergenerational trauma in this uh, Story. Now I came across the story when I was reading a book late last year um, by an Australian journalist called Michael Cannon and he told the story of having met this young woman, Gwenda McCallum, 
tried unsuccessfully to seduce her and then uh, a few weeks later opened his copy of the Herald and there was her picture on the front page. She disappeared. And I thought, gee, that's a really interesting story. The only way I'm going to find out more about this story is if I write a book about it. <laughs> so I set off on my trail, um, tracked down all the descendants, tracked down all the related public records and, uh, and put together an absolutely fascinating story. Uh, it wasn't the story that I expected to write. Um, was, so everyone, was everyone happy to talk to you? Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. long enough ago yeah. that um, that everyone was kind of intrigued. Yeah, yeah. Probably yeah. would have been difficult in the immediate aftermath. There was so much trauma associated with it. But now people wanted to understand yeah. what had happened. Uh, and there were lots of things that, you know, people had lots of little bits of information, but they'd never connected them up. And that's the privilege that a journalist get, is you yeah. have that licence to talk to anyone. So, so, yeah, I found it absolutely fascinating. Yeah, and, and by extension, for the craft of what, what you're doing, yeah. uh, uh, to do an historical novel, mm. is, is it a case of saying, well, I want to get from A to B, but I'm not sure what's all in the middle, and then you just keep digging? Well, you never know what's, yeah. what you're going to come across. You never know how you're going to do these books when you, uh, when you start. You, my rule of thumb is I simply follow every trail for as long as I can, as far as I can take it. Yep. And uh, it's... And if in the end it leads up to a coherent story, then you've got something. Sometimes you can't take it any further. But, uh, but I found some, you know, I found people alive with, you know, in their 90s who had information to, to impart on their story. And they were living really close to me. Now, who would have thought it? Um, yeah, so look, it was a great, great experience. I've done this quite a lot. I've just done another one that's coming out early next year. Yep. Um, and uh, often it comes, you know, you get, you come across a story, and you're just so intrigued by it, you uh, you have to you have to follow it up. Like the one that I'm just about to do, um, that's coming out in January, is um, is about William Carkeek, the Australian wicketkeeper of 1909 to 1912. He played six Test matches. Now, 20 years ago, when I was writing a book about Warwick Armstrong, I came across this little controversy about his selection in the Australian team, where one of the selectors said that he had no objection to Carkeek as a cricketer, but a strong objection to him as a man. I thought, that's interesting. And then there was a letter appear in the Argus that said, we should be hesitant to throw mud at a fellow cricketer who has been unable to keep quiet the one indiscretion of his life. Ooh. And I thought... What's that? <laughs> Put it at the back of my mind. I'll get around to it one day. And 20 years later, I had a bit of spare time when I got back from the England tour. I thought, right, it's time to do that car kick book. So I did it. So it was, and believe me, it was more than one. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. Very checkered person life. Yeah. Yeah. Or well, like if mobile phones weren't around back then. <laughs> for William. Um, let's bring it to a lad of, of the modern era because you've done two books on Shane Warne and, and yeah. both. Yeah both before his passing, and yeah. how happy are you that you were able to do such complete books before his passing? Yeah, I did the... Well, it's the, it's the one book I, I updated it when uh, when Warren Sorry, I'm died. referring to the first one being... I, I consider the first one being at the end of that farewell tour, which I, oh, I yeah. read all, all yeah. out. Yes, um, yeah, OK. Because yeah. yeah. it was a farewell tour for he, he did, And he did dominate, didn't he? Yeah. Um, oh, he dominated every, every <laughs> field that he bestrode. Uh, look... I feel incredibly fortunate to have had a sports writing career that overlapped with yeah. Warney's playing career. I mean, what an absolute gift. You know, sports, when you're writing about sport, you're only as good as your material. 
and he provided the best raw material of anyone. <laughs> I, I don't think anyone has replaced him, quite frankly. Is he the best you've seen? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I think the thing that appeals to me most about him is that, you know, when you were growing up, watching cricket, playing cricket, people told you about leg spin. They said, there's this marvellous skill called leg spin, and it's amazing. And you go, oh, yeah, yeah, sure, it can't be that amazing. Uh, leg spin had this was a sort of a cliche of the, the luxury that you couldn't afford in the 1980s. Uh, it was fast bowling in, the, in those days, fast bowling one, one test matches. And all of a sudden, warning materialises in the early 1990s and lo and behold, leg spin is every bit as good as they said and it's even better. It's even more amazing that a man can do what he did with a, with a cricket ball. So it's almost like there was a worn-shaped hole in Australian cricket before he arrived and yep. I think there's been one subsequent to the end of his career. Yep. And could you have – now you do a very successful – or you have done with Peter Layla a, a, yeah. a, a podcast. Could you imagine doing a podcast with Shane Warne with all the true stories that came out? <laughs> yeah, look, he's um, – he gave great material. I've just led you in there because Dave he, actually did one. Did he? Right, right. Yeah, he's, yeah. his UK management wouldn't, wouldn't right. let it go there. <laughs> right. Me, him and Joey Johns did one. <laughs> Yeah, could you, work, could you guess why they wouldn't let that ever yeah, get out? We did two hours of it, but I was the third banana because they've always so much better stories than me. So I just sat there and listened. I was like a fan. Um, so, but I was, yeah, thank goodness those. I've never Surely there's a bootleg out there somewhere. somewhere. Yeah, there'll be somewhere. I think his management have got it somewhere. Yeah, hand in the locking key, probably put a burnt them. <laughs> could you imagine three more? Space cadets in a room. Like, <laughs> the fucking shit that would have been talked. Well, there, it was. It was. <laughs> Joey smacked 10 beers on a Tuesday morning at 10 a.m. <laughs> what, what did you see from the dynamic of two greats at the same time in McGrath and Warren? Because McGrath, and he is as good as Dennis Lilly yes, or anyone else yeah, ever, and yeah. that's his record just stands yeah. up for itself. But the, the unique part about cricket, I suppose, more than anything else, is you are actually can be an individual in a team yes, game. Yeah, so yeah. what did you say about that dynamic? What an, ast- what, what an astonishing constellation of talents yeah. in the Australian team at the time. You know, big egos, but huge capabilities, and some differences, but an absolute commitment to winning games of cricket. Yep. You know, in the end, whatever they felt about each other personally, their differences were sunk when they, uh, when they, when they took the field. And, of course, in Warner McGrath, you had two perfectly complementary bowlers, in, in that sense, Australia was covered in all conditions uh, and they harmonised so perfectly together. You know, previously we thought of bowling partnerships as being, you know, Lillian Thompson or, uh, or Truman and Statham or Hall and Griffith, but a fast bowler and a slow bowler as a combination, I think that's virtually unique. Yep. Um, and they were both incredibly accurate. Like this was this was fundamental. They, they weren't just penetrative. They enabled captains, even when Australia was under pressure, to exert some sort of control over the pace of the game. And going back to the Ashes twenty twenty three, I never thought I'd see the day where England scored at four point seven and over in a Test series. Can you imagine you, that would have been impossible against Warner McGrath? Oh, okay. I was, I was about yeah. to say that, that that scoring is logical given the T20 and yeah, all, yeah. all that. But yeah, yeah against quali- yeah, quality yeah, bowlers like that, yeah. it's not logical. Yeah. Not po- wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. 
Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Yeah. Well, where do, you, where do you rank? You seem like a traditionalist. Where, what do you think of the, the big bash? And does anyone give a fuck about one-day cricket anymore? <laughs> Actually, the... Where, where have you just pretty been? Well, <laughs> I, 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 pretty good about the World Cup. Yeah, I, I think Lev yeah. Maxwell saved yeah. it from that innings. Yeah. Mm. Yes, yeah, yeah. And yeah. he's made another hundred overnight in the um in the in the in the T Twenty. He's just an extraordinary talent. I do think that there is an all, there's a lot of meaningless cricket played. A lot yeah. of bilateral ODI cricket is meaningless. Yeah. It's not leading anywhere. It's simply content for the sake of for the yeah. sake of content. But, you know, it's hard to argue with T20 if you've had any experience of the IPL. I mean, that's just an absolute juggernaut. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's richer than the rest of the game put together, that, that kind of two months of the year. Yeah. When the player auction comes up, I think it's on the 19th of December, the whole cricket world will stop to see who's going to get paid what. So when, when they bid that money, does that money go straight to the player? Yeah. yeah. So it's a cut for the agent. But so you can um, get three yeah. million, three 20, million what, for 20% yeah. for the agent or 10% but for the agent. But the strange thing is that, that the <laughs> IPL is so lucrative <laughs> that yeah. the players are not paid a huge proportion of the, of the overall. I think okay. someone's estimated that the players get about 10 to 12% of right, the okay. IPL's revenues. Yeah. Whereas in Australia, of course, under the contract with the CA, they get about 26, 27 okay. That's about the AFL, too. About so you have to think that cricketers, despite the fact that they, they seem hugely wealthy, and they're wealthier than they were in the IPL, they don't actually have the same kind of economic stranglehold on, uh, on cricket in India. There's no player union, of course, yeah. in uh, no collective, collective bargaining in India. So you reckon a player standing up to Modi wouldn't probably go real well <laughs> if you're a well, New Zealand medium it would be. I mean, the fact <laughs> is that most Indian cricketers make the pre- predominant money outside of the game and that they kind of have to have an entente with the Could BCCI. Could you imagine doing that, day, getting it earned outside yeah. of your Well, absolutely. Game. I'd, give, I'd give Australia the flick if I was going to make <laughs> two, three million dollars a year just to play for two months. What do you think of the Big Bash? Is it too long or is it... It's too long, but I think it lacks star quality. Yeah, and I think I think we've seen uh, players will sign up for it, but as the, the tournament gets closer and closer, they begin to drop out yeah. because they think you know, Australia, big country, lots of travel, lots of training, not much playing, uh, and actually there are there are more lucrative tournaments yeah. elsewhere yeah. that are shorter that you can make more money out of the SA twenty. The um the IL twenty in in the Gulf, that's probably where the next big money surge is going to come from. Cricket in the Gulf in yeah. the UAE and potentially even in Saudi Arabia. Taking everything. How, have you seen the the uh, both uh, overall, but also from your craft, the the explosion in, in the data analysis of of, uh, of cricket? Because um, I think on expected score, India won the World <laughs> Cup and England won the Ashes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like, I think America won the Vietnam War That's right, yeah. on the same basis. Uh, look, it's it's interesting to talk to players who've been who 
predate that yes. and those who've been brought up in that generation. Like I did a book with Daniel Christian a few years ago. Now, Daniel kind of emerged in a period in the early 21st century and he is all about intuition. He's all about feel for the game. And he's very quick to point out the deficiencies in, uh, in, in data. But if you, if you emerged in the game five years ago, you've, you've been swimming in data from the very start of your career and the temptation is to think that it's, that it's highly meaningful. I think sometimes it can become very confusing for yep. players. Uh, players play best when their mind is absolutely clear. If there's agree, it's like footy when you yeah. not, yeah. it's a simple game, you go and yeah. chase the ball. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. always yeah. everyone always said, I'm sure it's the same as the cricket first instinct is your best, yeah. but then when you like, hold on, I can't go there because I've been told defensively yeah. I've got to run here and I've got to do there, yeah. then especially at the top level, if you don't make that decision to go like straight away, yeah. you're half a step behind people that are so elite, yes, you're fucked. Yeah, yeah. Well, where, where cricket's concerned, it's um. It, Expenditure rises to meet income. As the game's got richer, it's produced more and more backroom people, more and more coaches, more and more uh, assistants who need to justify their presences. So <laughs> now you're talking dates like yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> I asked him what the best form of assistant coach was, and he said one that left me alone. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and of course, in in cricket these days, because you're playing in so many different teams, you're exposed to a great many more coaches. Uh, you'll have a group at your IPL club, a group at your BBL club, a, a group with Australia, a group at the National Cricket Centre. You probably have a coach that you went to in a junior level. Uh, I, I, I sat down with a first-class cricketer a few years ago and I asked him to list all the coaches that he'd received advice from in the previous season. It was something like 25. <laughs> and I said, do they ever contradict each other? He said, yeah, all the time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Wow. <laughs> so that that kind of and what about mm. from your craft because I suppose uh, you know you, you've grown up writing about the mm, game, or yeah. grown up at, as, an, as a, professionally writing about the game mm. but now there's more information you can get to should yeah, you want it yeah look what what I concentrate on is trying to produce something that isn't available elsewhere yeah you know, there's just so damn much content these days and so much of it is the same so much of it is mere duplication or echoes of of what you've heard elsewhere. I think when I go to a game of cricket, I always have to think, people have already seen this by the time they'll have read my words. They'll already have a pretty strong view about the uh, the main points of the day's play because it's the commentators, of course, who prepare the first draft of history. I have to do something that differentiates myself from the, from the pack. Uh, and so I try not to listen to the outside world. Like, I'm not on social media at all. I pay no attention to social media. I try to make up my own minds. I used to be such a purist that I never even watched replays. <laughs> right. Uh, I finally kind of had to surrender to that. But I, I felt, you know, I've got this special privilege of being there. Yep. I have to convey a sense of what it's like to be me in this position not something that you get from just simply watching the TV. I, I, I tend to think that there's a lot of sports writing now that comes through the medium of TV. It's people watching TV and transcribing what commentators... <laughs> so you actually go to the game, whereas yeah, the yeah, AFL yeah. actually sit in, the, sit in a box, <laughs> in a, sit in a booth in fucking South, South Melbourne. Melbourne. Yeah. yeah. 
That's I find that really weird. It's ridiculous. I can't imagine. It? I can't imagine how you get any sort of feeling for the drama or uh, or sense of momentum. A game of cricket and a game of football feels very different live to that Absolutely. which is mediated. Yeah. yeah. Well, we're talking off here, but that's what happened. Never let accountants get in charge of, yeah, of that yeah, because yeah. Uh, uh, they they learnt during COVID. Oh, they you don't sure have to be did. there. Yeah. They no, sure no, did. No, no, you actually yeah. do. You do. You do. Um, who's coming out this summer? And is it going to be is the cricket going to be any good this summer, or we're going to sit through three day three day games where we we make five hundred and bowl now for four hundred combined? Why not even sit through? I think you've already got it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, so. Yeah, Pakistan. Look, they're an okay team, but they're no great shakes away from home. Yeah, I think they're. Uh, yeah, there's another period of upheaval post the World Cup. You know, Pakistan cricket's always in danger of pulling itself. Can we play there? Are we going back there? We've been there. Yeah, we, we went there. Um, uh, in 2022, but uh, but we, uh, yeah, I mean, they haven't been here for a few years. And we've got the West Indies again in the back half of the summer. And then are they worse? Or is, well, they've, they've only got worse, frankly. Okay. <laughs> and, the, and the reason is because there was the end of one Future Tours program and it's now the beginning of another. So we finished the previous FTP with the West Indies and we're starting the next FTP with the West Indies. People will go, what's all this about? Yeah. Weren't they just here? Well, that's the explanation. It's the sort of explanation only administrators <laughs> could come up with, yeah. though. Uh, I've got a West sorry, Indies tour. That, that seems yeah. like that'd be. What is your favourite? To obviously the Ashes for the cricket, but maybe yeah. just for not the cricket. Like, what's the is Bangladesh the best tour? Is the West <laughs> Indies, South Africa, like New Zealand? Like Look, India is a fascinating tour. Uh, India is just like nowhere else in the world. Um, there's always a bit of a relief when it's over because yeah. it's just so you're so inundated, your senses are so overpowered, the pace of life is is so relentless, um, and the importance of cricket is so much greater. You know, we think we're enthusiastic about cricket in this country. In India, they just take it to a whole different yeah. level. It's like they're discussing you know global geopolitics. <laughs> it's it's massive. Uh, you have conversations about cricket in India of. Just incredible earnestness. <laughs> and you look at yourself and think, it's just a game? But I daren't say that. <laughs> so I love I love going to India. I'm going there again tomorrow night. Um, it's a, always an exhilarating experience. Just to simply walk through traffic in India is an exhilarating <laughs> jump on a experience. Train. <laughs> to jump on a train. We uh, Earlier this year we, we, did, a, we did an overnight trip um, to, uh, to, to Indore on the Indian railways and it was just fantastic. One of the great cultural experiences yeah. of my life. How how um, closeted? Maybe that's the right word. Wrong word. A, a life would a Coley or a Tendulkar lead over there? Be forced to. Yeah, they almost, live there. Do they live in India? Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember going to Tendulkar's house right. just to, just to look at it one yeah. day in Mumbai, and there was like a crowd of a hundred people <laughs> out the front. I'm not sure he was even there. Just on a random Tuesday yeah. or something. Yeah, like. yeah. yeah. Just people are fascinated by them. Yeah, you'd have a solid-sized house, wouldn't you? <laughs> it's very tall. <laughs> very, very tall. Uh, yeah, look, when they walk into a room, it's like you know, you're in the presence of a, of a rock star. Um, I've, I've seen you know, certain cricketers over there in live appearances and there's just a sense of ecstasy in, yeah. the, in the room. But that's where anything to do with cricket is concerned. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm going to the to the Bangalore Writers' Festival and the crowds at writers' festivals over there are just so enthusiastic. A writers' festival in Australia, you look out on a sea of grey hair. <laughs> Here it's just people having a great time. 
And particularly if you're talking about cricket, you know, you will just yeah. get a huge you'll get a huge cheer simply from mentioning the name Coley. That's all you gotta do. Coley or Tendulkar? Well, actually, Coley now. I mean, Tendulkar will just a surge of awe, yeah. but uh, but 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 Coley, it's just um, it's just is he the best? Is he the best in the world? Look, over the journey, he's probably going to end up that way yeah. for sheer versatility through the formats. You know, his, his ability to adapt his game to, uh, to to all three formats is an example, and his appetite for the game. Yeah. There's just so much cricket to play, and he's always there. And, and he's always being Coley. It's just relentless. He loves being yeah. himself. He what a great life. <laughs> just yeah. reminding you, go to GideonHay.com for all Gideon's book, Ideal Christmas Present. Now, uh, as you said, you're a, you're a writer who loves cricket. You're yeah, a cricket yeah. writer. Yeah. Right. So one of my favourite bits of writing of yours, mm-hmm. again, I think you're a bit in alignment mm-hmm. with Dane here, but you wrote it a bit differently. We'll go back to lockdown, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Just let me read yeah. seven paragraphs. Oh, yeah. It, it, and it is some memories of a bygone era. It sounded to me like Daniel Andrews conducted the same press conference 200 times, replete with abundances of caution, people working incredibly closely together, the instructions so full of qualifications, exceptions and caveats that one ended up feeling capable of nothing. Did anyone else try the government's COVID helpline? I'm still on hold. Hmm. But, of course, this was not the point. The standard Andrews press conference was not a public health message, but a political message. Dan Good, Dan Strong, Dan Wynn. And it worked. Largely for their own partisan reasons, people bought the idea of one mask stroke after another that would follow the ritual hoisting of the Dan Yeh pennant to the top of the Twitter mast for the choreographed mass salute denunciation of traitors. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds very similar to my tweets. Well, yeah. <laughs> at exactly the same time, Dane yeah. tweeted out. Right? Yeah. And you were all about... Being succinct with your writing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This yeah. what Dane tweeted out. That's yeah. uh, uh, September 6th. This motherfucker's really wearing on my patience. So Dane da- sort of got yeah, to the point. Yeah. You were both of the same sort of... Yeah, I, f- I feel you. Yeah, <laughs> I feel so you. Most, most people in Melbourne yeah. felt us, yeah. yeah. So your, your perspective, I mean, you, you, your mother lived in Geelong. Yeah, and yeah, and of course she wasn't able to see her granddaughter for two years, yeah. you know, because of Dan's ring of steel. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was just ludicrous. I, I think people just can't bear to think about it now because yeah. it was mm. so awful. Uh, I actually got a, um, a memory this morning when I opened my um, Instagram. Was I'd posted three years ago today. It was my first job back on the outside of COVID. Wow. But, it, yeah. but COVID things were still in place. So we actually had to go down on location in Mornington. Three years ago, that was 2020. That's when we were smack bang in the middle of COVID, wasn't it? Well, I was, we were allowed yeah. out. Well, well we went yeah. down to Mornington. Yeah. We had to all stay in a house for a week before we were allowed to actually <laughs> shoot. Well, we were doing That's shooting right. a car commercial. Yeah. yeah. And, it was my, and it was memories today. And normally I like share my memories, but I was so mm. triggered by it that I deleted it. <laughs> <laughs> my kids won't, mate, and my son, my kids won't believe us in like yeah. 15 years ago, yeah. mate. Two, fifteen years ago, we weren't allowed to leave our house. We weren't allowed yeah. to have to be in bed by eight. I had to be at home by ten o'clock. Yeah. Yeah. We weren't allowed to have five k's. Like you weren't allowed to play on the swings. Or no. like the swings is my favourite. What about yours? Oh yeah, I saw the swings. I yeah. remember walking out the swings. <laughs> Yellow tape on them. That was a murder scene. That was a murder scene. Crime scene tape. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, just I don't even want to think about it now. Yeah. <laughs> um, funny enough, I still do the walk that I used to take during yeah. COVID. There was this one walk that I used to take around Princess Park. Because we're not allowed to go more than five kilometres from home. And people talked about, you know, wasn't it lovely to go outside walking during COVID? No. No. 
I hated every second of it. And I, and I refused to feel good. I refused to take consolation in how nice nature was or the, or the great outdoors. This was, a, this was a walk that was grudged for me by, by Dan Andrews and I was damned if I was going to take any pleasure in it. I used to literally leave washing on the like, clothes horse yeah. purely because if I put it away, then I had nothing to do. <laughs> so I would leave the washing in my room in my house yeah. all day. Well, yeah. that's, oh, that's, that's why, that's why I leave washing around. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Don't finish Netflix during it. Just well, yeah. that kind of that kind of outwore its welcome, didn't yes. it? Yes, you got sick of it. Everything did. Everything outwore its welcome. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was like like I've worked from home since 1995, so you would have thought that I would have coped pretty yeah. well with it. But the fact that it was compulsory, yeah, not yeah. optional. Um, made it an absolute misery. And my daughter was at school. They, they were her years of grade five and grade six. They're really important years. They're mm. oh. uh, yeah, great Ta- rite of passage kids. years. Yeah. Kids. Just yeah. Yeah. And, of course, it pandered to kids' worst instincts, didn't it? Because, yeah. you know, if, if we don't prize the device out of their hands with a lever, they'll <laughs> happily sit on it all day. Yeah. So, and I think they've still un- not unlearned those habits. No, mm. Mm. no. no doubt. Um, Geelong, I mentioned Geelong, so you grew up in Geelong. I did, yeah. Uh, yeah. You're, you're not associated with AFL in that you haven't written books and all that. No, what's but your, I'm a what's your, passion, what's your passion metre out of 10 for, for the sport? Oh, pretty strong because, yeah. you know, I grew up in – we came to Geelong in 1969, so it was till 2007. From England? From Well, I was born in England, but I, we, we came out to Newcastle. Right. Um, my, job, my dad had a job at BHP and then he got a job at Alcoa. So we came to, uh, to to Geelong, and of course, you know, you get caught up in because it's the biggest thing in Geelong. Yeah. It still is, and of course, we didn't see a flag till two thousand seven, mm-hmm. and we'd sort of reached that. I, I personally had reached that stage where I thought, oh well, I might never see a flag. <laughs> it's okay. I've enjoyed football. I won't have, you know, I won't have. It won't have been a life of complete disappointment. Yeah. They have given me some happy days, and then of course they won in two thousand seven. I was there, and you know, my life suddenly felt complete. Yeah. How how did you cope with that? Because I didn't cope real well with the demons winning, but I was, <laughs> I, was I was in my lounge room. In well, they didn't really win one though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I could tell you that the 2007 grand final, I didn't enjoy it one bit. Not really? until about halfway through the final yeah. quarter, mm. I thought, okay, we probably can't lose it from here. <laughs> but you know, the fatalism. I of, won uh, 140 points. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you do the Billy Browlers and have a cry? No, I, th- I felt strangely vindicated, and yep. the funny thing was that. Uh, Jared Waitley lost his voice. Remember that in, yes. the, uh, in the in the grand final. So he had to cancel doing offsiders the following day. So I got the call late in the evening. Can you come and do offsiders tomorrow? And I went. Did you add a few with the greatest <laughs> of pleasure. <laughs> this will be no hardship at all. Now, now were you hosting? No, I wasn't hosting. Right, well, but, no, because uh, Dane's sort yeah. of drifting into this hosting yeah. business right, okay. now. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he's a bit further out of the game. Uh, any any tips for him? I like hosting. Actually, yeah. I like hosting. I like um, I like making other people look good. And no, I love yeah, making myself. I love making myself look good. <laughs> well, I think I think that people can tell the difference between when something's well hosted and when something's poorly hosted. It can make all the difference. Mm. Uh, yeah, and you can with the best talent in the world if it's not correctly directed, you know, events can easily kind of just lose their way. So there's a real knack to doing it. Um, so I'd encourage you, Dave. Thanks, mate. Yeah, no, yeah. I'll give it a go, mate. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yep. Yeah, why not? Sam's teaching you as well. Yeah. It's all ears, which is good. Oh, um, yeah. you, you're, a lot of your stories aren't from about the stars, even though you did warning. Mm-hmm. 
and yeah. I came up with a theory ages ago yeah. that just like Dermu we've had here and Dane, yeah. for every one of them, there's actually ten guys who um, are like the Billy Brownless when Gary yeah, Abbott was yeah, the best, yeah. or Damien yeah. Fleming when yeah. uh, when Warney or yeah. David King with Wayne Carey. The ones who've had to try just below, yeah, and they, yeah. they actually become very good at, at analysing. Media and, and articulating yes, it, yeah. perhaps I, better than a lot of the stars do. I mean, you mentioned The Cricket War, um, which I wrote about World Series cricket. The best information I got in that book was from the players who were just you know, the next best level because yes. they had watched really closely what the best players did. And for sometimes the best players, it all comes so naturally they find it difficult to articulate. Uh, if you've really had to work at your game, um, if you've observed it really closely, and if you're kind of soaking everything up, then I think you become a brilliant imparter of law and, yep. and legend about the game. I had some amazing conversations with, with cricketers in that period who were relatively obscure, but they had, because they played alongside legends, uh, they had never forgotten a moment of it. What, what, what type of life-changing experience did Kerry Packer give them from what you're, you were able to... I think... Because um, it was ridiculous how yeah. badly they were being paid. Yes, it was ridiculous. Um Look, the team that, of course, he really changed things for was the West Indies. You know, the West Indies had been uh, a sort of a semi-feudal cricket economy where I think the players got most of their money out of playing county cricket rather than playing for the West Indies. Yep. So all of a sudden, Packer realised that the West Indies are a potentially great attraction. Uh, if we put them together and we really professionalise them, they could lead the world. So in some senses, Kerry Packer presages that period of West Indies dominance. He is the first impresario to recognise that the West Indies are a great team in the making. And, of course, they dominate cricket for the next 20 years. And also what he did with World Series cricket was the start of so much great television yes, all over the world because yeah. David Hill was his guy who... Yeah. He brought in yeah. Fox, the, the, the box score... <laughs> Can you believe that? That it took, yeah. it, Sometimes the most simple things are, yeah. why isn't the score on the TV all the time? Cricket <laughs> changed more in that two-year period than it had in the preceding 20 years. Yep. Yeah, and, and world it, sport ongoing. Yeah. And, of course, it, 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 it demonstrated to administrators for the first time that television rights had, had value. Yes. They were sitting on a potentially a, a commercial goldmine. And, of course, now we have the IPL, whose last... Rights changed hands for six billion dollars US. <laughs> it just boggles the mind. Uh, so, yeah, Packers Packer liberates forces that were within cricket that we're still contending with now. It's a bit like you know, Cho An Lai oh, yeah. was asked about the French Revolution. He said it's too early to tell. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, so you're not at the Australian anymore. Uh, no, no. It's not 60 Minutes, but what do you want to say about that? Because I, I started subscribing to the Australian just to read your work. Really? So, oh, well, that, it's... Uh, without without dabbing and lining your pocket. <laughs> Look, I've done, done it for 12 years. Yeah. And I tend to think that in Australia, people hold on to media gigs for too long. Yes. Uh, there's not enough... There's just not enough uh, opportunity. It's a pretty small group of people, and they tend to, to hog the limelight. I don't think that's fair. I had other things I wanted to do in journalism and I wasn't going to be able to do them at the Australian. So sometimes you just got to take charge of your own career. If you, if you want to make a change, you're going to have to make them yourself. 
So I'm a nobody but behind the scenes, but I was at the, blessed to be at the footy show for nine years. Yeah, but I remember yeah. the day I just went, I cannot do this one more day. I've yeah, got to go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> because sometimes, and, and it becomes like, uh, what is what's the London Hotel California? You can check out any time you like. you can never leave. Yeah, yeah but, but sometimes if yeah. you leave a big organisation though, they, yeah. you're out. Yeah, <laughs> look, it was entirely my decision. Yeah. I, I also think that, uh, you know, I want to be better. I want to be better year on year. Um, yep. I want to dedicate myself to my craft, just quietly. You know, it's not a, it's not a big thing. But I had done the same thing. I had you know, written a thousand-word columns for 12 years on cricket. I did them pretty well, but I wasn't getting better at them, noticeably right. better. Uh, so if I wanted to write in any other vein, if I wanted to explore other subjects, other genres, I had to make that decision myself. And what did you learn about the podcasting uh, space with, with Peter oh. Lawler? Look, it's fun. It's heaps yeah. of fun. Yeah. Uh, if you're working with someone who you enjoy working with. Ah, oh, don't. Sorry yeah. about that. That's where we've gone wrong. Yeah. <laughs> well, Pete and I, Pete and I you know, had worked together for 10 years by the yeah. time um, we started doing the podcast. Uh, we sort of had got to that stage. We are a little, little bit like an old married couple. We kind of finished each other's sentences. <laughs> and so to put the podcast on was actually dead easy because yeah. we didn't have to do any work. We just literally turned the, turned the recorder on and... And continued our conversation of the day, uh, so it was fun to do it, especially when travelling. And we, yep. as we did it when we were going through India this year and, and going through um, England later, uh, he's we're temperamentally very uh, aligned. We get on very well. Um, we always said to each other that if it ever felt like work, that we'd stop doing it. Yep, and uh, we, we would be happy to keep on doing it, but uh, but unfortunately. The Australian's not happy for us to keep on doing it. Let's uh, just draw a line under that, shall that, we? That happens. So uh, we'll put all the links on our, uh, our socials yep. and show notes and all that. But it, uh, like I said, uh, getinhate.com to get all your back copy and mm. ideal Christmas presents, as yep, they say. Absolutely. Appreciate you coming Thanks in. Thanks very much. No problem. Man. Thanks, Ralphie. Yes. Thanks, Dane. No Thanks, worries. Samantha. Yeah. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.